Father, we thank you that your word speaks to us today, and we thank you that as we can read about people encountering Jesus 2,000 years ago, so we can hear what it means for us um, today. In your name we pray. Help me to speak faithfully and open our hearts to hear by your spirit. Amen. Well, I wonder if I said to you, do you want to be well? How would you respond? I guess most of you, yeah, yes, <laughs> of course. That's, that's the obvious response, isn't it? Um, and, and yet, what do we mean by I want to be well? Um, maybe that you've got a life-threatening illness uh, and you want that to be cured, obviously. It may be that um, you suffer aches and pains or in desperate need of a hip operation uh, and you want that to be sorted out. Or it may be just that you think, um, I'd like to fit, fit back in my jeans that I wore 10 years ago. Or um, I can run 5K rather than just lazing on the couch. Um, or maybe it's bigger than that. We talk about well-being these days, don't we? It's not just to do with health, is it? It's also to do with our mental health, um, our speaker's health. We, we spent a lot of time trying to sort out the speakers today. And I think we've improved lots of things, but I'm not quite sure what's causing that. So do pray for that, please. Um, but maybe other things, like um, maybe you long that your relationships at home would improve. Maybe you long that you could have a job that was more enjoyable, or that you had more money. All of these are issues that affect our, our sense of being well, our well-being. Do you want to be well? And what do you think makes you well? Maybe you think getting that hip operation will make you well, or a wonder drug coming along, or... Um, somehow a counsellor sorting out the problems in your relationships at home or someone giving you loads of money or getting a better job, all these things we think may make us well. Do you want to be well? Well, in our story today, Jesus asks a question of this man. And he says to him, do you want to be well? And this is one of um, lots of encounters with Jesus in John's Gospel. I think it's helpful as you go through John's Gospel, um, which is quite different to the other Gospels, to see it as John's showing us different people meeting with Jesus and having conversations with him. And there's lots of different people that meet with Jesus. And there's quite a variety of them. But actually, I think this one particularly, we maybe want to contrast with what came immediately before. We looked at this last week. The royal official. If you were here last week, do you remember that? The royal official comes to Jesus and he's desperate for his son to be healed. And he has this encounter with Jesus that then leads ultimately to a deep faith in Jesus for him and his whole family. He gets more than just having his son being well. And then in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to look at another encounter, an encounter of a blind man with Jesus, one, an encounter that has lots of similarities with this one. It's in Jerusalem, it's at a festival. Um, Jesus finds the man, he heals him, and then the man has conversations with the authorities in Jerusalem. And yet that man too, like the royal official, finds deep faith in Jesus. But this story is different. In this story, this disabled man that comes across Jesus, he goes away not with a real faith in Jesus. Actually, as we shall see, he ends up betraying Jesus, turning him over to the authorities. So let's dive into the story and let's think about the attitudes of this man. In a way, this is an encouragement to us, or at least it's a way of um, helping us in our expectations. If you, like me, long that many more people come to a real faith in Jesus, find yourself disappointed that some people just seem interested at first but then drift away. 
then this is an encouragement actually that not everyone that encounters Jesus in the Gospels ends up with a true faith. Um, we shouldn't expect everyone to come to faith that we talk to about Jesus. But also maybe for, for some of us here who are exploring faith ourselves, maybe we can see, are we like this man? Are there attitudes that we have that are like this man that maybe might trip us up in exploring faith? Or if we're trying to help people to explore faith, maybe these are attitudes that we can see in others and help them to overcome and work through. So there's three attitudes I want to share. The first one is this. This man conceives of himself as a victim. So the story is that um, Jesus comes to Jerusalem and um, he goes to this place that's um, the Sheep Gate. I can almost say Ramsgate. I don't know, there you go. <laughs> um, and, and there's a pool there. Uh, and the pool may have been used to wash the sheep that were going for sacrifice. We're not quite sure about that. It was called Bethesda. Uh, and it goes into a lot of detail describing it. It's got five, column, five columns, a covered colonnade. And actually, for a while, people thought this was um, a completely made-up story, that there's no evidence for this in Jerusalem as a place. And in more recent times, archaeologists discovered, actually, there was a place that fitted the description here really well. This was a real place, and you can see evidence of it still today. But Jesus comes there, and, and we're not quite sure what's going on. In, in some versions of the Bible, they've got a sort of a bit that's added in that says something about angels stirring the waters, but that was probably added later. But what we do know from what the man says is that there was a belief that when the water stirred up, maybe when a spring bubbled through or something, that the first person to get into the water would find healing. And so this man is sitting there and he's been ill for 38 years, a lifetime for many people. And Jesus comes across him, he discovers how long he's been ill and he says to the man, do you want to be well? And what does the man say? He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say, of course. He somehow misses the, the, the intended offer that Jesus has for him, that he's going to do something to heal him. And instead, this man just starts talking about the things that are preventing him getting well. He says, I've got no one to help me get into the pool. He's friendless. That's a big problem, isn't it? So you've got no support, no, no help. But he focuses on that problem. He says, um, Whenever the waters stir up, someone else gets in there first. I'm never in time. Again, it's a problem. He's focusing on the problems that are presenting him getting well. And do you ever come across people like that? People that you talk to that have got problems in their lives and don't really seem interested in getting the problems sorted out, but will just tell you what's stopping them getting the problems sorted out? I find as a vicar in Ramsgate, I come across that quite a lot. Uh, this man sees himself as a victim of his circumstances. He gets so identifies with that that when he's asked, do you want to be well, he just says, here's all the reasons I can't be well. But Jesus wants to offer him something greater, something better. Uh, and just in a powerful way, Jesus says to him, get up, take up your mat and walk and the man is instantly healed takes up his mat and walks when we face difficulties in life jesus wants to say to us 
will you stop focusing on the problems and start looking to God and trusting in him? Sometimes God will do amazing miracles. He will answer prayers in amazing ways. Um, one or two people here can testify to that. Other times he may leave you with a problem but give you the strength and a new attitude to deal with it. But the point is this, we need to look to God rather than focus on the problems. Stop seeing ourselves as a victim, but when we come to Jesus, see ourselves of what God is offering us. To become children of God. A new identity, a new hope, a new future. Are we too stuck with our problems? Do we conceive ourselves as victims? But secondly, this man conforms to human expectations. So once this happens, the man walks off and it's a crowded area and somehow Jesus and the man sort of split up and they don't have any further conversations and the man walks off carrying his mat. As he does so, he comes across um, some Jewish leaders um, in Jerusalem and John tells us at this stage that this was a Sabbath. So a Sabbath is the day in the Ten Commandments that God says, you shall not work on the Sabbath. Do you know that? Um, one day a week, have some rest. Um, and it's an important command, and in the, in the prophets, they pick up on it, and they actually condemn people that are bringing goods into Jerusalem to sell them in Jerusalem on a Sabbath and saying they shouldn't be doing that. That's why God's against them, for one of the reasons. But the Pharisees of Jesus' day had sort of looked at that rule and, and worked out lots of detailed things you were allowed to do on the Sabbath and you weren't allowed to do on the Sabbath. And one of the things they said you're not allowed to do on the Sabbath is carry anything even a mat. And so when this man comes across them, they say to him, you should not be carrying that mat. Now, now this mat in the story, in the context, is a symbol of God's amazing saving power, isn't it? Here's this man that's been sick and ill for 38 years, completely stuck in his um, paralysis, completely stuck as a disabled person, not to get anywhere. Jesus comes along, tells him to get up and take his mat and walk. The mat is a symbol of this amazing act of power of God breaking in and God saving this man and God transforming this man's life. And what do they say to him? You shouldn't be carrying a mat. But how does the man respond? The man doesn't say, but, but I've just been healed. I've just, I've just been made well. I, this is the first time I've been able to carry my mat in 38 years. No, he's, he's afraid of these Jewish authorities. He's afraid of breaking their rules and breaking their laws. He's afraid of what they might say. And so what does he do? He blames ships. He says, but the man who healed me, he told me to carry the mat. He's more concerned about his own position with the authorities than he is about praising Jesus. And so he shifts the blame to Jesus. So they say to him, who was it that healed you? But he doesn't know because he hadn't really got to know who Jesus was. And later on in the story, when Jesus does come and speak to him again, he does discover who it was that healed him. What does the man do? He goes straight to the authorities and says, it was Jesus. He's the one that healed me. 
rather than being thankful and grateful for the transformation in his life, he's more concerned to please the authorities, to fit into human expectations. He's more concerned to follow the legalistic rules than to rejoice in the one who has shown him such grace, such goodness. I wonder about us. Maybe we know things that God's done for us and blessed us in this life, but are we reluctant to follow Jesus because of the pressure of what others think? Do we want to fit into the human expectations of our world? Which these days is that you find something else to do on a Sunday that's more interesting and more fun than going to church. Not that there is anything more interesting or fun, but... Do we fail to, to live in the way Jesus calls us, but just follow the ways of the world? Or are we also caught up in his legalistic attitude, thinking that it's by following different rules and regulations, by living in, in a particular way that will put you right with God, rather than trusting in God's grace that he gives to us through Jesus? Are we concerned more to conform to human expectations, to be liked by the people around us, than to follow God. Such an attitude is fatal to faith. And for this man, especially, led him away from Jesus. But the third attitude, I think, is this. This man is just too contented with the small blessing that God has already given him. When Jesus meets him again in the temple precincts, um, it says the man who was healed... Um, had to sorry, Jesus finds the man who, who, who he'd healed and says to him see you're well again stop sinning or something worse may happen to you how is the man sinning? we're not told he committed adultery or was a thief or a murderer or anything like that I think the sinning was these false attitudes that we're talking about this not wanting to praise God, but conform to humanity. But the man, Jesus says to him, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. In other words, look, God's blessed you in this amazing way. And it was amazing, isn't it, to, to be healed after 38 years of being disabled, to, be, to find that. God's blessed him in that way, but actually God wants to bless him in a far greater way. But he needs to follow Jesus. He needs to live the way Jesus calls him. He needs to trust in Jesus. He needs to trust in God's grace. Um, if he abandons that, then he'll lose out on the far greater blessing that God wants to give him. Uh, I remember at the end of John's Gospel, John 20, verse 31, John tells us why he's writing the Gospel, why he's, he's showing us all these different encounters with Jesus. He says, look, I'm writing these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and in believing may have eternal life. That is the great blessing God wants to bring to people. That is the great blessing Jesus wants to give. But too many come looking to God, come to church to receive much smaller blessings. I asked you, do you want to be well? Maybe you think about different ways in your life you want to be well. Maybe you want your hips sorted out. Maybe you want some illness that's very serious to go away. Maybe you want uh, more money because you're struggling financially. 
Maybe you want to just be able to fill up your car at the pump, petrol pumps. Maybe you want a better job. Maybe you want relationships at home to be go smoother and more effective. These are all good things to want. These are all about our well-being. And it's right that we pray to God for those things. And God will answer our prayers when we do so in different ways. But actually, God wants to give you more than just that sense of well-being. God wants to give you eternal life. And he will give it to you when you turn yourself wholly over to Jesus and trust in him. Yes, ask for the small things in life, but don't be content with just that from God. Look for the greater things. And maybe you come to church and you think that coming to church is a good thing. You, you benefit from coming to church. Actually, I was reading a survey that um, someone said that those that come to church weekly um, tend to be healthier, tend to be less depressed. Apparently, you're five times less likely to commit suicide if you attend church once a week. That's a strange statistic. <laughs> That's one there. You tend to live longer. There's lots of positive things about coming to church, and there's a, there's a good reason to come to church, but, but God wants to give you far more than those things. God wants to give you eternal life. Will you take hold of Jesus? Will you focus on him for that far greater blessing? Or will you be content with just a simple answer to prayer? or enjoying coming to church, or whatever it is you find blessing through Jesus. In all these things, in all these attitudes, the problem with the man is he's not focused enough on God. In the first, point, first problem where he um, conceives himself as a victim, he's too focused on his problems and not on God. In the second one, when he wants to conform to human expectations, he's too focused on the pressures uh, of the people around him and what they think rather than focused on God and Jesus. In the last one where he's just content with what the small blessing he's got, he's too focused on the issues of his life and not focused on the greater blessings that God wants to give him. Are we focused on Christ, on God, and what he can give? Are we giving our whole lives to him and trusting in him? Or are we in danger of missing out on faith in a way like this man does? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it does teach us today. It does warn us today. It does show us your truth today. Lord, I thank you that you are concerned for our well-being. Help us to seek that through prayer from you. But help us to look for that far greater blessing you want to give us through Jesus, that gift of eternal life. Help us to trust in him and not focus on our problems. Help us to trust in him and not conform to human expectations. And help us to seek that greatest blessing of all. In your name we pray. Amen.